Well, Tom did ask a question. Oh, Tom did? Yeah, he asked how we pronounce milk. Oh, well. <laughs> and the answer is milk. <laughs> but we can't even go down that road. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. That's not That's not it. That's right. not the line. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. Welcome to One More Thing. Nope, that's no. not it. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Robert. And I'm Jay. Ooh, that, <laughs> that sounds, sounds weird. weird. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm... I'm... Nope. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating pop culture through an LGBTQ plus lens. Welcome to Ask One More Thing. Maybe, dear, dear One More Thing. If this turns out to be a great episode, we can always do it every season. Yeah, this is a Until we die. <laughs> oh. This is an easily repeatable episode. So if you like it, let us know. We kind of blasted out that if you had any questions or advice that you wanted from us to let us know, because over the past couple of seasons, we've gotten a lot of listeners that have contacted us with questions ranging from like, what do we think about this very specific thing in a movie to like, I need help with this kind of situation in my life or in my town. So we thought we'd condense that all and make some content. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Because we need to get paid, so. (laughs) So so some things I want to know before we dive into it. One, everybody that we talk about today has, we've asked about their names and if we can use them. Also, a fun fact is that we know none of these people. By the way, just a quick plug at the beginning, a couple of these people asked questions via the message function on patreon.com slash one more thing. So... There's still time, everybody. You can still become a patron. (laughs) To those of you who asked us questions and we answered them, they will not be in this episode because a lot of people sent us just like little questions that weren't necessarily advice. So in this episode are the advice only questions. Yeah, about like, yeah, I mean, you, you guys know devices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just dive right in. Yeah. We're realizing now we forgot to ask about these people's pronouns. We're just going to use they, them for everyone. And Great. They say otherwise. Our first question comes from Dan at cool underscore oatmeal, who asked us to include their social media because they wanted a plug, which I think is so funny. <laughs> Good for you, Dan. Okay. So Dan says, hi. I did. I'm a new fan to your podcast and am obsessed. Not to be narcissistic. <laughs> always, always fine. Yeah. But I feel like you've made this podcast just for me. We did. Yeah. You're welcome. Cool oatmeal. I've been thinking of starting a podcast for the past five years. Should have said the last five years. Yeah, really? Missed opportunity. But I don't know where to start. Oh, boy. Also, I haven't read these. (laughs) I'm going to be reacting to them as I read them aloud. (laughs) I recently graduated from college, congrats, and find myself saying goodbye to a friend every week as they move to different states. Relatable. Including my best friend slash now ex-boyfriend and that relationship, whom, oh, that's not the question. (laughs) Doesn't matter. And the relationship, anyway. Whom we've talked about co-hosting a podcast together. So now I have lost a Jay to my Robert, a Kate Berlant to my John Early, or a Billy Eichner to my Julie Klausner. Which, Which, (laughs) 
Thank you, honestly. Yeah. I assume I'm Kate, and am I Billy or Julie? I know I'm Kate and you're John, but I kind of well, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm Billy and you're Julie. Just because Billy's louder, and Billy loves lesbians. Oh, but you know what? Julie's also in a relationship, which is very me. Not that I've been That's in one true. the entire time we've been friends, but... So I guess my question... Back, back to the question. <laughs> so I guess my questions are... Ooh, multiple. I'll take them one by one, and we'll answer each one as I ask. Okay. Can I start a podcast alone? Yes. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Cereal. Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> That's the first she, one that came to my mind. support of NPR. Julie Klausner has a oh, podcast yeah. alone that she literally records as a voice memo on her iPhone, and she's been doing it for like 10 years at this point, and it's really good and really funny. The best advice I have for someone looking to start a podcast is just start a podcast. Yep. That's what we did. Our first episode, was it the trailer or the first episode we made? It's, it's our unreleased pilot. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. We made fully for fun. It had been something that we had talked about for a long time, and we were like, let's just do it, and if it's good, we'll turn it into a thing. Yeah. And at the end of it, we were like, oh, that was really fun. What I will say is you'll know if it's good. Oh, yeah. If you are going to start a podcast by yourself, just record the first episode. All you need is your, like, voice memo on your phone. Just record for, set a timer, make an outline of everything you want to talk about. That's very helpful. And just record the first episode and then listen back to it. And if it makes you laugh, it'll make other people laugh. Yeah. And this is great because we've actually gotten a lot of people asking us how to start or if it's good or, like, just random (laughs) podcast questions. Yeah. And the one thing that I've told everybody across the board is you have to see if it's interesting enough. Yeah. And... Not necessarily if someone else has done it, but if you would listen to it. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we don't talk about on the podcast because no one would listen. Right. For example, <laughs> the musical First Daughter Suite. Yeah. We could we could have an entire episode about it. We could have an entire podcast series going song by song through the cast recording of First Daughter Suite. We, when we were in Chicago, we went through the entire cast recording of Wicked. And yeah. we could do that as a podcast, but, but it no would have would a listenership care. of two. It would be us just us. repeating. Yeah. Just being like, oh, we're so funny. I don't think you need another person to talk to. You Well, you do, but that other person is the audience. As long as it's interesting, like, yeah. I'm in. So I'd say find something that you think is interesting that other people would want to hear. Record it. Listen back to it, like Jay said. Find what's interesting about it and, like, go from there. I mean, this is sort of the case, I feel like, when you're creating anything. But I would say you want to create something that answers, like, a question. Hmm. And fills a space that hasn't been filled. If we didn't exist and this existed outside of us, I would listen to it. Yeah. So do that for yourself. So then Cool O'Meal's second question is, how do I make friends IRL? No idea. I have, I can't answer. I I mean, listen, okay. I am going to try and answer this question the best I can because, you know, this is something I've talked a lot about with my therapist. (laughs) Not like, how do I make friends, but just like, how do I talk to people? Mm -hmm. Completely honestly, I don't think anyone knows the answer to this question. And I think it's a growing problem. Yeah. A lot of my friends I met on the internet. Mm-hmm. Many of those people I interact with mostly on the internet, and we see each other very rarely in person. First of all, I think people don't value internet friends as highly as they should. The whole idea of an internet friend is something that is really different than it was when the internet was first invented. But in terms of making friends in person, I mean, I don't know where you live, but I know for me, the way I make friends in person, when was the last time I made a friend in person? I'm realizing that all of my friends come from either work, work yeah. school, yeah. or through those friends. But yeah, most of my friends I've made in person are from when I was in college and now I'm still friends with them, Mm -hmm. which it sounds like you can't do because your friends are moving. Which, I mean, because you brought it up in your question, my core friends from high school, when everybody moved away and I stayed behind for a year and a half, I 
to this day, eight years later, I'm still just as close with them as I was mm-hmm. when they moved. Because, spoiler alert, college ends. You, like, everybody goes through a lot, but you end up, like, going on with your life. And, yeah. I mean, you're faced with the decision on whether or not you want to stay friends with certain people right. as you grow up, obviously. But you can make the active decision to be friends with those people. I think that we both have been very privileged in that we both have enjoyed the places that we went to school. And we both enjoyed our job. Yeah. Or, like, the people at our job. And and something like, else that's important there is I work essentially now full-time as a freelancer, which is how I've made, I mean, that's how you and I met. It's like on mm-hmm. a job. That is how I've met like a lot of my good friends is through jobs and like at work. And that is super valuable. But again, like we're just not answering the question. <laughs> I mean, if what you're looking for is how do I go to, out into the world and just make a friend? You know what? I have a great example. Bailey and I went to go see Cursed Child and Bailey brought all of this candy with her, this like Harry Potter themed candy. And we were eating it during intermission. And then she just, without thinking, turned to the people next to us and behind us and offered them candy. And we ended up talking to them through all the intermissions. And we did it over two days. And we could have, like, the opportunity was open for us to, like, exchange numbers and, like, keep in contact. We didn't because of other reasons. But, like, that was open. So I think that if you were just, like, open and willing to make a friend and are not creepy about it in any way, it is something that is out there for you and available. Yeah. And then the last question that Cool Oatmeal has is why is going to gay bars alone so terrifying? Because they're scary and they're loud Mm -hmm. and there's people everywhere. I totally get and understand like this weekend, my best friend who I would go to a gay bar with is in Italy and I want to go out to a gay bar this weekend, but I'm like, well, he's gone. So I guess I'm just going to be at home tonight because I'm not like my friend Bailey. Like I can't just go to a gay bar and start talking to the people at the bar and that's okay. And you just kind of have to accept it. I will say this is advice exclusively for the third question and not for the second question. This is not a good way to make friends, but it is a good way to go to a gay bar alone. As someone who has severe social anxiety. Something that I learned to do when I was a kid and it's like, it sounds silly and ridiculous, but it really has worked for me for whatever, like 20 years, is to just lie. If you're going to a gay bar with the intent of finding a boyfriend or finding friends, this is a bad thing to do. But if you just are like looking to get more comfortable interacting with people, just lie. In what way? Well, like I still do this all the time. If I am going to interact with a salesperson or a stranger or like the person making my salad, it it still like is hard for me to breathe when I do that. Mm -hmm. And the way that I deal with that is, I mean, like medication, but also if someone tries to make small talk with me. Do you do like, this is for my boss? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I, every time I am buying clothes, it's for my boss. Mm -hmm. One time I was buying a belt and the register person tried to like make small talk with me and it ended up being like a 25 minute conversation about how it was my dad's birthday and my sister always gets him a better gift and so I was trying to get him the best gift this Mm -hmm. year. It was literally like so much backstory. That always helps me because I mean a big part of anxiety in general is like fear of being seen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what has always been very helpful for me is to just pretend I'm someone else. So in what scenario would you connect it to going to a gay gay bar alone? alone? I would say the first... To feel confident about it. Yeah, to feel confident about it is to go in just being like, if someone makes small talk with me, I can just lie my way through it. Mm -hmm. It's all sort of acting on the assumption that you will never see this person again. Right. So you will never have to answer for this. If you want to start being able to go to bars alone, I would say go with a fake story 
a few times. And also it can be a totally zany story and people will believe it at a bar because you're at a gay bar and everyone's drunk and people probably aren't even really listening to what you're saying anyway. But I would say if you go like three times with the fake story, then you're going to feel fine about going and be excited about going. And then you just make the shift to actually being yourself there. If the bar is doing something special that night, yeah. like during the World Cup, yeah. so many people are going there just because it's a TV. Yeah. Great excuse to go and just be like, I'm here to do this, drink your drink and go home. And then yeah. you've done it at least. Yeah. And you've taken a step through it. Yeah. All of this is coming from someone who has this problems. Yeah. <laughs> and like, would I do that? Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, this is not the question you ask, but this is what I want everyone to know is like, if you're anxious, that's fine. If you have trouble talking to people and you have trouble making friends, that's totally fine. Cool. You don't have to like push through. You're talking to two people that uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really okay with. Oh, do you know what you could also do? Make plans with someone to go to a bar and go an hour early. And then kind of wait like, into I'm it. waiting for a friend. Yeah. yeah. And then the next time do it again and yeah, see how you feel. Yeah, it's just the same hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dan, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Cool oatmeal. I hope that was good. Has this ever happened to you? You suddenly come into some extra money. You're thinking, man, I've paid my rent. I've bought my food and I've got five extra dollars this month. What am I going to do with it? Well, have we got news for you. You can take that $5 and you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash one more thing. And you can give that $5 a month to your trusty friends, Jay and Robert. And with that money, if you give us $1 a month, you'll get a bonus episode every month. It might be us, I don't know, what do we do with those episodes? We fell in love once. We talked about our favorite people. For $5, you get a video every month where sometimes we cook food. Sometimes we play games. Frequently we play games. <laughs> and all for the low, low price of $5 a month. Can you believe it? And by the way, at $5 a month, you get both the episode and the video. What more could you want? Honestly. Honestly. What more could you want? So these next two questions are very similar, but from two different perspectives. The first one is from... Katie, who asks, how can I be an ally without appropriating culture? And they are a mother of two children. They're cis, het, white, middle class, and they have two sons who are very young, and they're basically trying to find a way to raise these two kids as, like, a good ally and a good mom. And then the other one is from Jill, who is a 40-year-old white cis bi woman. Basically, like, a bi woman who is trying to figure out how to exist in queer spaces as a cis woman married to a cis man. Or I guess they both say that they're cis women, so we can say she for them. So basically, the question for both is like, how do I navigate queer spaces without being appropriative? Jill says like a tourist in gay spaces. Both of them mention pride. Yeah, yeah. Specifically. And when we talked about that. To Jill, I say, you're not a straight person at pride. And I think that's also something that we may have talked about in the bisexuality episode. Yeah. Where we asked our roundtable if they feel comfortable taking their partners to pride. Let's break this down. First of all, going to queer spaces mm-hmm. as a straight presenting bi person versus as a straight person. Mm-hmm. I would say as a straight presenting bi person, you have every right to be there. Yeah. And anyone who tells you that you don't have a right to be there is an asshole. But I will say it's important any person, regardless of sexuality, gender, race, ability, etc. It's important to recognize the privilege that you have when you're in marginalized spaces even if you're a member of that marginalized community, to recognize the privilege that you have as a straight passing person, I think is really important. It's a cool position that you're in to sort of be like, gotcha, not everyone who looks straight is
is straight. You get to like teach people a lesson at Pride. You know what I mean though? Yeah, I think that what's really here is the fear, not saying that you're afraid, Jill, but you are like afraid of having to pull the bi card. Yeah. And be like, well, no, I can be here. I am bi. And all I genuinely have to say to that is that the person asking you to show your bi card is the person in the wrong. Yeah. And that you're not. You now, shouldn't have to show your credentials. And you also shouldn't feel like you're taking someone's seat. You are exactly as much a member of the community as anyone else. And I get that it's good advice in theory, but not so much in practice because it's like not everyone right. is as accepting of this. But I think it's a good opportunity for like a straight presenting person in a queer space. There's really only good that can come from you being like, no, the queer community is not all one thing. It's a good lesson for straight and queer people. What I'm going to say is very privileged, but I think that we are unknowingly living in like an era of recognition in that it's okay to ask these questions and it's okay to stand up for that. I say recognition in that like people are finally talking about visibility. Yeah. And I think that, you know, 10 years ago, if you were to walk into like a queer space, someone would totally have called you out and been like, that's not okay. Even if you were someone that was bi. But I think that now if you were to like decide to pull the bi card on someone, they wouldn't rebuttal and it wouldn't turn into anything more than them just being like, oh, got it. And then the flip side of this that you also ask about is about being a straight presenting person in straight space Mm -hmm. Because Jill says she's 40 years old, she's married, she has kids. Yeah, and she talks about how she has to leave queer breadcrumbs for people. Yeah, which I do think is an amazing name (laughs) for, like, a band, Queer Breadcrumbs. Oh, God. (laughs) Speaking as two people who are... Entirely. Children. uh... um... (laughs) And as gay people. Yeah, two very much not straight-presenting people. I guess the only comparison that I can make to myself is when I'm with people that don't know that I'm gay. Yeah. Or with certain parts of my family where I don't know if they know that I'm gay. I think it's totally a fine thing to do, as long because it's not awkward. Like, I'm never in a situation where I'm like, I'd suck that dick or anything like that. Right. But like... I've been in work situations with people who are firmly adults. Mm-hmm. You know, like technically you and I are adults, but we're also not yeah. like capital A adults, you mm-hmm. know? But I have done work where I've been with people who are in their like 40s and 50s who assume that I'm straight. I mean, obviously I think the number one priority is making sure that it's like a safe place yeah. to drop those breadcrumbs. I'm not a proponent of just unapologetically being queer everywhere because, like, if that's not safe to do so, then don't do it. Do what is best for you. Yeah. And if you have to be in the closet, then that doesn't mean you're not queer. It just means that you have to express it in a different way than other people. But I think it also is very situational. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're having, I don't know, a Tupperware party, I don't know. I don't Whoa. Know. Like, <laughs> clearly we don't know what adults do. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the place to be like, oh, yeah, I like had sex with, you know, Linda the other day. That's an adult name. <laughs> <laughs> that is an adult name, yeah. To feel like you have to be like, I sleep with yeah. women because you shouldn't feel like that. And if you're around those people, maybe just tell them that you're bi. I mean, a great way to sort of slip it into the conversation is to wait for like a queer subject to come up and be like, as a member of the queer community, and yeah. then not answer any more questions so that just they have it. to be like, what, what did she just say? Did you know that Jill is bisexual? And you don't know if they are. That's true. There's always a chance that you could be like, oh yeah, well, my ex-girlfriend, and then maybe Linda is going to be like, oh my God, I'm also bisexual. I will say that it does get fun. Even just saying that reminded me of times where I've been like, I don't know, my ex-boyfriend or my boyfriend at the time. And people are like, "Uh uh-huh. You can always tell when you or someone else like references an ex that makes it clear that you're queer. And you just feel a couple people be like, huh? And lean in a little bit. It's just like the queer lean where it's like, oh, you 
said ex-girlfriend? Yeah. But I think that just because you have a husband, like, shouldn't feel like an anchor to you. Also, if your husband is, I mean, I assume because you are allowing us to use your name, your husband, like, knows that you're bi and is supportive. You can also sort of make him do the work. You can make him be the one who, like, talks about having a bisexual wife. I also think that there's no work to do. Like, I think it's yeah. no one's business to That's know that true. you're bi. Because at the end of the day, you're married to someone that you love. Yeah. And unless that ends up becoming a problem later, I don't see a reason to go around and flaunt it because it's no one's business. Yeah. If you want it to be their business, be upfront with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want it to be their business, it can be their business. Yeah. Like if you see Linda and you're like, I want her to know that I'm bi. <laughs> I feel like that's totally a I situation where you can be totally, like, yeah. just so you know. Or like if you clock someone else in the group and you want mm-hmm. them to know, that's another way we can just be like, well, as a bisexual woman, and then Linda's going to be like, interesting. Yeah. So say that you're at a Tupperware party. Okay. And, and, I, and, am I myself or am I Jill? Or um, am I Linda? You're yourself. Okay. Am I and current age or am I older? Older. Okay. And you see Linda. Okay. And you want to leave a trail of breadcrumbs for her uh-huh. to find out that you're bi. How, what, how would you do out? it? Oh, yeah. yeah let me be. I'll be Linda. <laughs> Okay, so do wait, do I want to fuck Linda or do I know Linda's a lesbian and I want to relate to her on a queer level? Yeah. Yeah, let's that go. That was an there. either or question. <laughs> Wait, so that which one? one? The second one? Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm Jill. I know that Linda's a, les- Linda's a lesbian or Linda's bot. I don't know. You don't You don't know. Okay, so I've just sort of clocked Linda a little bit. Yeah. Trying to, okay. And we're at a Tupperware party? Yeah. I was talking about something and I was like, oh, my girlfriend. And it could go either my, like, relationship girlfriend or, like, my girlfriend who's okay. my friend. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. I need to know more about that. Okay. We're now alone at the Tupperware party. There's a crowd around us, but we've ended up at the same table. Sure. I also don't really know what the Tupperware party is. It's <laughs> so where you, like, sell Tupperware to your friends. Okay. Hey, Linda. Hey. I'm Jill. Wait, do I already know each other? Sure. Okay. Hey, Linda. Oh, hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. The, the Tupperware seems great. Yeah, me too. Um, I actually, I just saw this really good movie that I thought you might like, and I wanted to know if you had seen it. Oh, yeah? Disobedience. Have you have you seen it? Is that with Rachel? Rachel Something? McAdams and Rachel Weisz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they play lovers. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, I, I haven't, but I've seen a lot of trailers for it. Yeah, so it's really good, and it's really, it, like, speaks to the queer perspective in a really cool way. Really? That yeah. does sound like it would interest me a lot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I personally find that, like, as a queer woman, it's hard to find movies that I really like deeply relate to, mm-hmm. especially as a 40-year-old queer woman in a relationship with a man. I'm just trying to add to <laughs> that, that works. Yeah. That works. Because then Linda can be then like... Linda can be like, oh yeah, totally, me too. Or like, oh, sorry, you're Linda. Or like, or like, yeah, I I totally get that. Maybe I'll check it out one day. Yeah. And just like kill it. And then you're like, oh, well. And then you're like, straight. now me and Linda are BFFs. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, Linda's straight. Time to go. But now Linda knows that I'm queer and she mm-hmm. can tell everyone else. And if she wants to fuck you, then she would be like, maybe yeah. we can watch it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> answer to Jill's question. Katie's question. Katie is a mother of two and she's having a similar problem of... Who also, Katie sent us pictures. Those kids are real cute. Yeah, they are. They were eating a croissant. (laughs) 
They were great. So Katie basically asks, how can I be an ally without appropriating culture? And she wants to raise her two very young sons to be basically good people. Yeah, and at the end she says, I'm white, straight, and recognize my privilege. Help me be an ally you need and suggest ways for me to help raise my boys as someone who recognizes privilege. Yeah. There are sort of two questions here. Yeah. One is about raising your kids to be good people. Mm -hmm. And one is about being a straight person in queer spaces. And honestly, the thing about raising your kids to be good people, you are doing a good job. Even the fact that you are curious about that and are asking those questions. That you're fine. Is great. I think that because your kids are so little and so cute, all you have to do as someone who does not have kids is teach them that they are not the only person in the world and your job is basically done. And I mean, the thing that really stuck out to me about this email is when you say they will be white and middle class, no idea about their gender or sexual preference. That's already... You're already leaps and bounds ahead of so many Americans. 99% of parents. Yeah. That alone, the fact that you're already thinking about that and these kids are one is so great. My mom had to learn that. I'm not saying that you're better than my mom because my mom's pretty great. But you shouldn't, like, I don't think it's something to worry about. Yeah. You know what? Hmm. Let's call in the big guns. Mom. Hi. You're on the podcast. We have a question from Katie, who is a mother of two, who is trying to raise her kids to be, like, good people in the world. And since we're not parents... She wants to, like, raise her kids to be good allies to or members of the queer community. And her kids are one-year-old. And we were wondering if you have any advice for her. First of all, this assumes that I raise someone who's good in the world. So nice and humble brand here, Jay. Thank you. You know, I, I think the best thing to do is for the parents to act like everything and everyone is normal. And not categorize people. Little kids tend to ask very brutal questions or point out things in a very, what from an adult would be almost confrontational way because they don't know that words might be offensive or that pointing at someone and saying, why doesn't she have legs could be seen as offensive or why are those two men holding hands? Don't only mommies and daddies hold hands. So she's starting young enough that there will be lots of occasions when her kids are little where they'll notice something about the world, and that will be her moment to say, yes, that's right. Two men can love each other just like a man and a woman can love each other. Or everybody's body is different, but everybody's body is good. So you're intervening before the kid even needs to know about an intervention. There's this great thing going around on Twitter right now about the parent of a boy with autism. Yeah. Have you seen that with the kid? Yeah. You learned it from Sesame Street. Well, what's beautiful about that to me is the fact that the kid saw it on Sesame Street and just accepted that, okay, that's the way it is. And that's what parents can provide to their children. So this mom can teach her children from the very beginning, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. That's just how the world is. And then when the time comes when they encounter people who don't think that way, then it's a different kind of teaching moment. A certain co-host of this podcast came home one day from preschool in our extraordinarily Jewish neighborhood and was crying because someone had called her a bad name. Do you remember this, too? No, what they call me? Who was it? I don't know who it was, but the bad name was Christian. (laughs) And that was not a word you even knew because it wasn't a label that our family used in any sort of way. And we had to explain that Christians and Jews have two different kinds of thinking about things. And it doesn't, one is not any better than the other. Our go-to phrase was always, that person must not realize that 
two men can love each other, or that person mm-hmm. must not realize that it's just as good to be a Christian as it is to be a Jew. So we didn't make it an adversarial thing. We tried to teach compassion for people who see the world differently than we do. That the beauty of the world could be some people just haven't learned these lessons yet, so we'll accept that about them and we'll just go on living our lives the way we live our lives. Thank you. You're welcome. Can I say one more thing? Uh, What? Can I say... One more thing. (laughs) Moms like this mom who asked this question are the reason the world can get better. Much as I hate the musical South Pacific, it is very true that children have to be taught what they believe. And this mom is making the choice to teach her children to be good in the world. And every parent who does that helps make the world a little better. So I really, whoever you are out there, not only do you have good taste in podcasts, but... (laughs) You're doing a great thing for the world, and I really salute you. Oh, oh. All right, bye. 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 You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. Let's move on to the other part of your question. Right. Straight people existing in queer spaces. I feel like it's a hard question to answer because I feel like everyone will have a different answer for yeah. it. But let's keep it to pride specifically. Because that's sort of a good blanket. I feel like that's the most nationwide accessible location that is like a queer space. Because you mentioned a couple of other things, but pride is sort of the most like relatable one. I kind of yeah. have two different versions of straight people at Pride Uh in my head. One of them is what I experienced this year where a friend of a friend went in a shirt that belonged to someone who was queer and very much took advantage of the space that she was in, was walking in the parade and like there's that, which I think is not the way that a straight person should go to Pride. I think that it hurts and that it is taking someone else's seat, especially in something that like historically is meant solely for Mm -hmm. people in the community. And then on the other hand, And I have like this allyship that I think is okay to bring to Pride. Totally. In the right ways and with the right people. I mean, it's similar to what we said to Jill, which is like, as long as you recognize your privilege, you're fine. We have straight friends who similarly are very worried about like how to be woke friends to queer people. And basically what we tell them is just, as long as you're aware that it's not about you Mm -hmm. and you're aware that it's about celebrating the queer community. And as long as you're open and willing to hear people, you're fine. Yeah. Just the fact that you were like, "Uh uh-oh, should I not be doing this? Means that it's fine if you do. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you were just like, this is my place. That's the wrong kind of straight person to be at Pride. But the kind of straight person who's like, I'm aware this isn't my place. I'm here to support the queer community. That's great. Yeah. Um, and that's also so necessary. We all know that Pride has evolved yeah. over the years. And I think that now, not that it hasn't before, is like a very family friendly environment, mm-hmm. which has negative connotations and positive connotations. But like, if you're ever worried about like bringing your children to Pride, I think that that's interesting because I think it's a great thing to teach them about what it is. Absolutely. Um, and so that they are educated as to like why June is the way that it is. Should you be strollering up to like the front row of Pride every year? Yeah. Like with your kids dressed in rainbow? I'm not sure. I mean, if your kid comes out as queer or trans at a young age, then absolutely. Yeah. But if you're there to show your kids who are unsure or know that they're straight and cis, if you're there to show them this is what the queer community is, 
I think that's a great thing. And I mean, honestly, we can talk a lot of shit about like straight people who try really hard mm-hmm. to be woke allies. But at the end of the day, like that's so much better than the alternative. Yeah. When we make fun of straight people who are trying really hard to be allies, it comes from a place of such deep love and respect for people who do that. Mm-hmm. Because both of us have known people who aren't like that and who are trying very hard to be homophobic. Right. <laughs> you know? And so I would never say like it's a bad thing to say love is love. If you mean it, it's a great thing to say. But yeah. it's also great to know that there is more than that. And there is a huge difference in people like we're talking about right now and like the bachelorette party mm-hmm. essence of straight people in, in queer spaces. And that doesn't sound like that's you. So Yeah, it really doesn't. I really do think the thing that makes someone a good ally to a community is being willing to take a back seat and also to engage critically with yourself. Mm-hmm. So just to take a second and be like, am I doing this right? Yeah, you are. And we do that all the time. Totally. I don't know if this has ever been on air, but like the transgender community is so new to me after living in New York. Before we do episodes, I have to like by myself or like reach out to you and be like, so how do I do this? Am I doing this the right way? Or just have to like run it through. And it sounds like you are the kind of person that would do that kind of thing. And the fact that like you realize that is important. Hey listeners, it's me, Jay. I'm here with my friend Robert. Hi. You're currently listening to us talk about something. Probably you're sitting there being like, wow, I love this podcast. This content is amazing. I wish I could have more. Well, you're in luck. Because if you go to Twitter or Instagram and you type in one more thing with an A because I was taken, you can get so much more content. You might be thinking, man, I wonder what's going on on Grey's Anatomy. Head over to our Instagram, you can find out. You might be thinking, hey, I wonder who's running for re-election in the Senate. Head over to our Twitter, you can find out. That's a promise I don't know that I can deliver on, actually. But we can deliver on the Grey's Anatomy because it's been on for 14 seasons and still trucking along. Yeah, also you can go to Facebook and click on One More Thing Podcast. And you can use Twitter and Instagram to tell us what you want to hear about. You can just tweet out one more thing and be like, I want you to do an episode about whatever. And then we'll be like, cool. (laughs) And now back to the episode. All right, next question from John. I'm a 35-year-old gay man from London. Hi. Good day. No, if that's ever... Australia. Yeah, that is. Hello. Hello. G- hello Governor. Governor. Don't unsubscribe, please. <laughs> <laughs> I am really overweight and awaiting a gastric bypass operation. I don't know what to do about dating. Same. I've yeah. had two nice relationships before with guys who were into me because I was big. That was fine. <laughs> they ended reasonably well. I've been single for about three years now, and most of that time I've been fairly happy in my aloneness just getting on with my life. I dated once or twice, but nothing came of it. I've had a few casual hookups, but lately my esteem and motivation have been suffering because of my weight, so it's a dry spell. I don't have trouble finding guys for sex. Good for you, John. As I there's... do. <laughs> give you're, us a, a tip to find people to have sex with. But finding a boyfriend is harder work. I would like to have a boyfriend again. I'm not getting any younger. I'm fairly normal in terms of personality, I'd say. That's Great. good. I'm kind and funny. I have a good job. I have a load of amazing friends. That's a very John. British sentence. Yeah. <laughs> On paper, I am fine, I think. I think I've been a nice boyfriend in the past, and my exes are amicable, so I think there's evidence for that, too. Honestly, John is like a self-esteem icon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to where this is going. It's just my weight. I feel really ineligible and gross, and I'm not sure I want to put myself out into the dating world while I'm still really chubby. Dating apps and meeting guys other ways is hard enough and a lot of mental effort. So my question is, should I wait until I have my weight loss surgery and feel more confident physically and then date, or should I just get on with it now and see what happens? Gonna get this out there right now. 
I have always been very conscious of my body mm-hmm. in negative and positive ways, mostly negative. I don't think to this day I've ever been comfortable in my body. So that's what I'm going to speak from. So f- something stuck out to me in this email that I want to address, not for John, because John doesn't seem to have a problem with it, but I think is something that other people might want to hear. And here I'm going to request Jay <laughs> to put the clip that just happened with Laverne Cox talking about sexualizing things about people's bodies. Gotcha, okay. I think that Laverne does a really great job of talking about it, and here it is. When I was watching all the episodes of Diet Land, I was amazed at the correlations between the extent to which men fetishize trans women and how similar that is to the ways in which men fetishize women who are mm-hmm. overweight. And Jack's relationship to Plum is completely fetishized. Mm-hmm. So she's not a human being mm-hmm. anyway. So he has a relationship with her that is completely about what he can get. It has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. It never had anything to do with her. And then that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Can we critique our relationships with people? And I think then as we got, get into porn culture, which we've talked about on other shows, you've mm-hmm. talked about on other shows, mm-hmm. but the, the, how do we have relationships with people as human beings right. and not that issue? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, no, thanks. Yeah. But I understand that that's not your question. So you know what, John? I'm having this problem right now as well. Because I came out of college the healthiest I've ever been, especially since I went into college knowing that I had anorexia through high school and kind of combated that with eating as much as I could through the college before New York. And so I went through college in New York, had a great boyfriend, and we worked out all the time. And we were very like, it was great. We, I don't need to go into the details of it, but we had a great relationship. We then broke up. Tragically, I still think about him all the time. And after that, I didn't have that like support system and I reverted back to the way that I was. And now I'm the biggest that I have been. I think I'm as big as I was before I came to New York. And that's not how I know myself. So there's that, like setting the background for it. I recently had this problem because I met this guy who was the exact opposite of me. Very skinny, very muscular. We went out, we had a great time. I constantly was like, am I too fat for him? Him and I is a complicated story, but like I haven't seen him in a while. And I constantly think that where I'm like, I have to get skinnier or more healthy by the time that I see him again, or else maybe he won't be into me anymore. So that's what I'm kind of going through right now. And I think that it is an okay question to have. I don't think that you're the only person in the world that has ever about this. I don't think that you should hold off on dating as long as it's something that you're happy with doing. But body confidence is definitely something I wish that I had. So I feel bad in saying that like you're asking someone that also has to ask this problem (laughs) and that like the things that I want to say to you are things that I also should take note of. It's kind of like Dan who wanted advice on like how to go to a bar by himself. I have that same problem. So like I almost don't know how to answer this question truthfully. Like I don't want to give you these answers and then turn around and not execute them myself. If that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like the best advice that I can give you is just like know that this is a problem that is deeply embedded in the gay community. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that you mentioned in your email that you are aware that this is like a problem in the queer community, which I definitely have, like, as someone who's not a gay man, I've definitely, like, seen in the gay male community that it's a Mm -hmm. big problem is, like, there's that whole, like, no fats, no femmes, no Asians Mm -hmm. thing. There's, like, a whole documentary about it. Especially in the summer. Yeah. Because in the summer is, uh, like, I've never been to Fire Island for various reasons. (laughs) But, like, I would love nothing more to be that gay walking around Fire Island in nothing but a Speedo. Totally. Like taking Instagram pictures and have 15,000 followers. I am none of those things. Follow me on Instagram at, <laughs> at 
<laughs> Robert E. Yak. Okay. Um, and there was absolutely nothing standing my way from doing it except the actual action of doing it. And I think what we don't see is the life behind those people. I think all the time whenever I see those pictures, one, about how lonely I am, but then the other side of like, those people spend their lives in the gym. Like, yeah. th- like this is what they do. Yeah. And that is not who I am. And it has been a hard thing to like grapple with, especially living in New York. I can't speak for living in London. I hope that it's not the same way. I don't put them down for having those bodies and looking that way. It's great. I am also not one of those people that's like, that's what I want. I want to be able to walk around a beach in nothing but a Speedo. So I'm going to do it because I'm constantly thinking about the other people looking at me. And that's a problem in the gay community that like I even care about what those people think. And I acknowledge it. No idea how to fix it. I was sort of letting Robert take this because this is something that he has more experience with than knowledge with. But just my two cents. Just to like very basic answer your question, should I wait to date or do it now? I say fucking do it now. Anyone you are going to end up with as a boyfriend is going to be someone who you would date at any size and who would date you at any size. For sure. If you take anything from this, I don't want you to think because you have the surgery, you will be any more or less dateable. Totally. After the fact. So there's this TV show coming out on Netflix, you know, just to keep this pop culture related. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Called Insatiable that stars... Debbie Ryan. Yeah. And she plays a character who, in the beginning, she's wearing a fat suit, and then she wires her mouth shut, or she gets her mouth wired shut, and then she turns into what Debbie looks like now. And everyone's like, oh my god, you're super hot, and it maybe turns into a revenge plot. I don't know. I have a lot of problems with it, but I don't want you to think that that's what the world is. It is. It is. Sometimes, but, like, also, it's not. (laughs) TBH, like, I totally understand. Even in the context of Insatiable, looking at her in the beginning of the show and being like, that's not someone on the I would date and then afterwards looking at her and be like that is someone that I would date but that person that's saying that is not the person that you would want to date long term yeah I don't know if that answered your question at all but but I really do appreciate getting this email and I hope that um you know that you're not the only person out there with this question This is from Shine, who is an 18-year-old non-binary lesbian from Arizona. Very cool. I do Irish step. Just Let's just say right here, I do Irish step is the coolest sentence we've ever gotten in our inbox. If that's not your Tinder bio, change it. And I have a class at a dance studio every week. Good that you're keeping up with your studies. I've had a crush on this girl that also goes to my studio for a few months, but she only went to ballet, so I never really got chances to talk to her. Until now. Last week, she showed up at my Irish step class, and I, uh, died. Trip doing simple steps because I kept looking at her in the mirror. Haven't confirmed that she's gay, but she has a crew cut, so I'm optimistic. (laughs) How do I find out, in a subtle way, if she is, and then any tips for flirting slash asking people out? I'm hopeless. This feels like a question for me. How do you know if a girl is gay, and how do you flirt with her? (laughs) It's a great question. (laughs) I'm very interested to see how you pull this out. Well, listen, we gave you a little bit of a tip with the old Linda act out of how to find out if a woman is gay. But okay, yeah, let's do an act out. So we're in Irish step class. Irish step class. I'm Shine. And I'm crew cut girl. Crew cut ballerina. CCB. We'll call you Linda. Great. Linda has now <laughs> decreased is, in age. This is, this is Linda's daughter, Linda Jr. What about Belinda? Ooh, Belinda. Yes, Great. this is Belinda. Oh, but you don't know that yet because you haven't talked to her. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I'm stretching my leg. Okay. Oh, my yeah, that's a big crack. <laughs> hey. Oh, hi. 
I'm Shine. I'm Belinda. <laughs> What's up? Are you, you, you're new in this class, right? You haven't seen you here before. Oh yeah, I was definitely doing um, ballet across the hall with Mr. Cheryl Holtz, but- uh, That's so cool, no why did here. you switch? You know, I just heard all the noise coming from here and I was like, that seems a little bit more fun. And I feel like my legs could use it in ballet. That makes sense. Do you like live here? Is this your school district or do you like commute? I moved here from Montana uh, two oh years ago. Whoa. And I was at a different studio there and now I'm kind of getting my feelers in here. What high school do you go to? Uh, you know, McKinley High. Oh my god, I go to Dalton Academy. Oh cool. <laughs> Is that a boys school? Yeah. Okay. Well in Arizona it's not. Okay. In Arizona it's a girls school. <laughs> Oh, cool. I have no idea where that is. Oh, yeah. It's over on uh, uh, Main Street. <laughs> cool. So you like the studio? Yeah, the studio is great. It's really, it's a really like open and accepting environment, which is cool. Oh, yeah? They, yeah, they're like not super, you know, there are a lot of dance studios that like feel weird if boys take ballet or like feel weird about like queer people in the studio and they haven't seemed to like be weird about it at all. So that's really cool. Oh, I haven't even noticed. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, you know, when I first came out, they were like really super cool with it. Oh yeah, you're out? Yeah. I came out about a year ago. What did you come out as? As a non-binary lesbian. Actually. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Why are you being a bitch? What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Belinda wouldn't be like, oh yeah, like... I feel like Belinda wouldn't be like, you don't know her. <laughs> I know her as well as I know myself. <laughs> yeah, like my family's cool with it. It's Arizona is like a really accepting place. Is Montana like cool? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really have to come out. Cool. <laughs> Everyone just kind of knew. And I, I guess I told my mom. Mm -hmm. Was she, like, cool with it? At first, she was not. But then she was. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, it's Linda. Yeah. Well, my mom's bi. Whoa. So so it, it gave me a really easy access to That's so cool to come that your mom her. is bi. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, she so also cuts hair. She does? Is that, is, did she give you that cool uh, crew cut? She did, yeah. That's so cool. Do you think she could give me a haircut? Yeah, totally. She works at the old barber shop <laughs> on, on Lizard Lane. Oh my God, that's so cool. You should give me your number so that we can set that up. Oh, uh, pretty forward, but uh, okay. Yeah, that's how we do things around here, Belinda. And then you guys fuck in the bathroom. End scene. <laughs> so that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Belinda has just transferred into a new class. Like, you clearly have been taking this Irish Step class for a while. And this is the first time, like, Belinda just showed yeah. up to the Irish Step class. So you have... The slate is blank. Yeah, you have an open door to be like, do you need help? This is not a situation where you should lie. Correct. It's totally cool to be like, I've seen you around. Especially if you are wanting to flirt with her, you can very easily be like, I've seen you around, yeah. If you ask Crew Cut out and they say no, this is your studio. Yeah, you can be like, all right, then get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> We've gotten this in our DMs a lot on how to just ask someone out. And my response is just ask someone out. Yeah. Just be like, hey, want to go out? <laughs> hey, hey, you. Or make it active. I feel like that's probably yeah. good, right? Yeah. If you're like. There's an Irish step show in town. You want to go see it with me? Yeah. Riverdance is traveling. They're on tour. Let's go. Swan Lake is playing. You want to go see it? Or even, listen, this person's a ballerina. Easy way to find out. You like Black Swan? <laughs> Yes, gay. No, straight. End of 
<laughs> on conversation. You know what? I bet. Yeah. What's your favorite scene? Scene where she fucks her. Okay. Is that how teenagers talk to each other? <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I don't know. Today's teenagers are wild. They really are. Shine. This is what I want from, from me specifically. Ask this person out and then tweet at us what happened. Yeah. We gotta know. Yeah. Or DM us if it if it doesn't go well. DM it. <laughs> yeah. If you guys like start dating, tweet about it publicly. If not, just DM us. Yeah. Because now I'm invested. Yeah. I'm really Let's move on to our next question. Yeah. From KK. Mm -hmm. So she is pansexual and she works in the music industry. Very cool. She started becoming close friends with a fellow femme in the local scene. One night last summer, we were partying pretty hard after a show together. My goodness. Only to end up at my place having some deep chats about being femmes in the industry. By sunrise, this friend was looking extra stunning, and so I told her, remarking, I'm not sure if you're queer, but if you are, I'd so kiss you right now. I posed this question a couple times with a handful of, but really, are you down? Peppered in for safekeeping and fear of making a move and making her feel uncomfortable. She responded that she was, in fact, down, and we started hooking up. I ended up going down on her, but as soon as she got off, she left in a hurry, but I was like, whatever. Cut to a year later, and she stopped replying to my texts, see you at the concert, blah, blah, blah stuff, nothing even cute, pure friend vibes, and doesn't really talk to me when we run into each other at shows, etc. After the night in question, I texted a chill, rad times, hope we can still be homies. Love that text. Follow up to no response and now a year later, she still gives me the cold shoulder in industry situations. How do I fix this so it's back to normal and I can work with her still and clear the air without scaring her? Does that make sense? It was just a hookup and I want us to be able to work together again and go back to being friends too if possible. Am I dreaming? Is all lost? I don't think all is lost. I think this person sounds mean. Yeah. Not you, KK, but like the other person. Yeah, this this other person, we'll call her, she's not good enough to be a Linda or a Belinda. This is like anti-Linda. Let's call her Edna. Yeah, this Edna character. (laughs) So, first of all, I'm sorry to tell you, KK, Edna sounds like a bitch. (laughs) Even... When I've hooked up with people who I have no interest never seeing again, at least if I see them in public, I'm polite. TBH, you're probably never going to be where you were before the hookup. Right. That seems like it's fine. If I were you, I wouldn't want to be friends with Edna. Yeah. I'm not going to say a lot on this one because I am someone who is actively not hooking up with anybody because it's not my scene. But I'm, like that, this is one of the things that I'm always afraid of. I'm also not hooking up with anybody. Let's be clear. I don't mean currently. I mean ever. Oh, I was like, what, <laughs> what do you know that I don't? What's happening? From your attitude in... In the way that you ask her and the text that you've sent, it doesn't sound like you're bad at it. So I don't think that's the problem. Also, if she came, like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> that means it wasn't... Did you? Or yeah. is that, like, it's, is that well, too much of a question? Sound, it sounds like you didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right in. <laughs> This is what happens when you write to us about your sex life is we're both so, it's been really, so long uh, for both of us that we're like, I'm like, I don't know. Give us more information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what was it like? Uh, were you on the couch? <laughs> explain it a little bit in more detail. <laughs> <laughs> it's mean of her, especially since you're you're both so close in work situations. Right. If you work with someone and you hook up with them, you have to at least be cordial. Yeah. I've hooked up with people I've worked with <laughs> and then I've at least been like cordial to them for the rest of our working relationship. Yeah. I still work with people I've hooked up with. I'm never like you know, overly nice to them because I don't want to give them the wrong idea, but I'm, I'm not, like, ignoring them at events and ignoring their texts. Actually, well. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, answer this from the perspective of someone who hooks up with people and then never speaks to them again, which is going to be a stretch for me. <laughs> 
but it sounds to me, I will say, like something else is going on with Edna. Maybe she's not fully out mm-hmm. to herself yet. Maybe there's like some guilt happening. I think definitely the thing that is most clear to me is that this is not about you. Yeah. It seems like you are being, you are becoming the victim of a situation that is not related to you. And completely out of your control. Yeah. I mean, I think it's super fucking rude of her to like not. Bounce like that. Yeah. And to just never even talk to you again. I mean, if you were writing to us being like, I want to date her, I would be like, no, you don't. Yeah, she seems awful. Yeah, she seems horrible. And if she's this weird after one time, get away. But just saying like, are things ever going to be okay again? I think, honestly, this is the hardest advice in the world, but I think you just have to like reach out to her. If this were me in this situation, honestly, probably email her, not text her to make it a little bit more formal and be like, hey, I don't know what happened to us. And that's not really of interest to me. I just want to say that like we work together and it makes me really uncomfortable when you are like rude to me in public. I'm not asking you to like date me or like even be my friend. I'm just asking that you respect me at work and that when we see each other, you don't act like I'm a pile of garbage. All I ask is that we have a functioning acquaintanceship. So what would you say if you got that email? I might just be like, that's not possible for me right now. And in that case, then you at least know Mm -hmm. that there's something else going on and you can just ignore her back, you know? Yeah. Or honestly, if I got that email, I'd probably be like, shit, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm sorry. Because there's a good chance that she might just... That's probably it. Yeah, she might just be like so caught up in her own shit. Yeah, she might have just like no clue that that's what's going on. In which case, sending that email might be a wake-up call for her to be like, oh shit, I'm being a bitch. And sometimes people need it. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to be like, you're being a bitch. And then they're like, you're right. Thank you. (laughs) I also kind of want to be like forget about it and move on to someone else, honestly. Not that I think that you've been pining after this person for a year and haven't had sex with anybody else since, which I mean is a very me thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) But like, she seems awful, move on, which sucks. But also like... Okay, so say that they didn't work together and you just never heard from the person again. Would you give the same advice? No, not at all. What would you say? Just for the people out there that have the same problem, but it's different. Yeah, if I would say like... That's actually a situation that's a lot more relatable to my life. My advice there is either to just sort of like forget about it and move on. Or if it's someone who you like really are sad to not be speaking to anymore, to be like, hey, it seems like maybe you don't, you're not interested in this, but this is me giving you a chance to respond. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then that's that. Because honestly speaking, I'll just say it right now, as the other person in that situation, constantly, Mm -hmm. the person who's just like never responds, it's never about you. Probably like one in five times you don't like the person Mm -hmm. but the rest of the time it's like I'm depressed I'm busy at work I like have other stuff going on and if someone texts me like this is my like final offer to like talk to me again if I like the person I'm gonna take it because I'm gonna be like oh shit and if I don't like the person then like that's that this is really easy advice to give but not easy advice to take like you don't really want to be with someone who doesn't like you yeah but we both tend to go for uh the people that don't like us that's not necessarily true for me Oh, well, that's because you're you're a different case where, like, everybody wants a piece of that. That's not true. Oh, yeah. Everyone either is your friend or is, like, obsessed with you. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Listeners, write in. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? Do what I do and just send a good old dick pic. An unsolicited dick pic? It's never just, like, out of the blue. Oh, okay. Mmm, what's up at 2.30? And they're, like, watching the Golden Girls. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> How's about a dick pic, sir? <laughs> I'll be like, but, uh, you know, I'm little horny and they're like oh really and I'm like bam (laughs) with the slam effect yeah that's always an option
Do we answer that question? I think so. I think so. Yeah. If you're all alone. Our game this week, we're gonna give each other advice. Cause we never really give each other advice. I mean, we give each other advice all the time, but it's always about basic shit. Yeah. Like, I think I've helped you pick out multiple outfits. A hundreds of <laughs> Like. But we never give each other like real advice. What what should we give each other advice on? Let's give each other advice on our love lives. Oh gosh, okay. And like what, what we think the other okay. person. Okay, yeah. I have advice for you. Okay. <laughs> Already Get ready. This decision. I'm putting my, my reading glasses on. Uh. Listeners, they're sunglasses. <laughs> but I can see myself. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> I think you're really confident as a person. And it's something that I admire. That's not advice. About that's just you. a compliment. <laughs> if you don't know, JJ is a very confident person. And even when self-conscious still confident, which yeah, I think is interesting. True. You know, just turning you into a discussion topic. Totally but I more. think that when it comes to relationships, having never been, neither of us have been in an actual relationship while being friends, which maybe is a problem. Maybe we found the source of our loneliness and it's each other. <laughs> We've talked about this before, so this isn't a read. But I think you are more likely to shut someone down mm, that's true. than to accept them liking you. If someone were to come up to you and is like, I like you, let's go on a date. Your first thought is either why do they like me? And like, are they serious? Or I don't like them as opposed to trying it out. Sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking at myself <laughs> in the reflection of your sunglasses. And in some cases, I think it's valid. I don't think you have to say yes to everybody. You can be selective. And I know that you are very selective. Sorry, I can't, I can't look at you. I'm looking at myself in the reflection of your sunglasses. <laughs> but I think that you can be more open to love. Wow. And I have told you multiple times, like, you complain about this person so much, you just need to date them. And then only in one case have you given a valid reason. Which case? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is a... Oh, I can't put that in. <laughs> you can bleep it out. I think that that is a valid reason to not date someone. Yeah, I would say that's, a, that's like the most valid reason yeah. not to date someone. She's hot. I'd say it's a, one of the deal breakers. A deal breaker that it's I never like, thought someone would come in contact yeah, with. Yeah, it's, it's like, it sounds like a fake deal breaker, but... But there are some times where you're like, oh, I, I, I don't know. And I'm like, there's no reason not to. That's good advice. Thank you. Probably won't take it. <laughs> I know you won't. <laughs> My advice for you... I'm so nervous. Is that I think you need to get rid of the like take those sunglasses off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deflecting. Well, but I can only see myself, and I'm like, my advice for you in the reflection of Robert's sunglasses <laughs> is that you're perfect, never change. Um, <laughs> I think you need to get rid of the idea in your head of the like perfect mm -hmm. man and the like meet cute ideology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I think you get really caught up in the like ideal romance, mm -hmm. which is like not super realistic for everyone in the world. And I think you could be more like my advice for you is like the same as your advice for me which is I think you need to be a little bit less picky <laughs> so both of us are looking to lower our standards so. <laughs> no uh, I can name I'm not going to but I, I can name a couple of guys where I'm just like like this would work really well but like you're not my guy I think it's actually like opposites for us for you if he's not the perfect guy I'm not even gonna try mm -hmm. and for me it's like if she's not a supermodel mm -hmm. I'm not interested <laughs> Thank you.
So thanks for listening to One More Thing. If you think that we should do another advice episode in a future episode, if we do another season, you know, send us your advice advice questions. Know that we won't answer it for months and uh, (laughs) maybe we'll get back to you at some point. Or let us know if any of this advice helped you. Yeah, if it helped, let us know because we're not sure we said anything. Yeah, I don't know if we did it right. Listen, Shine, keep us updated. Yeah, really. (laughs) And you know what? KK, yeah, if this situation turns around, if any of this advice worked, yeah, everyone let us who know. wrote in, let us know how it goes. If it goes really well, plug us on your social media. And if it goes badly, don't tell anyone ever. I guess we'll see you next week. Thank you to Tessa, our producer. Thank you to Megan. Especially thank you, Megan, today. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Thank you to the people who wrote in who we just answered and didn't yeah. like, answer on the podcast. Thank you for all the like love and support we've gotten through this season. And don't forget to become a patron and follow us on social media. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Linda's Somewhat- so hot in my mind, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> to me, she looks like Mary Louise Parker. But- <laughs> <laughs> to me, she looks like Christine Baranski. Oh, God.